Welcome to the Side Action Podcast, the sports gambling show that covers everything in the world of sports betting from A through Z. We'll cover the four major sports as well as anything and everything in between worth some action and we'll increase the size of your bankroll. And here we go. All right, welcome to Side Action, episode 98, episode 29 of season three. Um, I am Jim Weglars, a.k.a. Weggs. You can follow me at Weggspool on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm Steve Roberts, a.k.a. Action. You can follow me on Twitter at 31SRoberts. Follow the podcast at Side Action Pod on Twitter and also on YouTube. So, Action, uh, I mean, we had quite a trip last week, mm-hmm. including, the obviously, the, the live hit from the Mirage, the Rum Bar. That was pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah, it was exciting. It's funny this week you don't have to ask me how my weekend was because you were there <laughs> and I was there. <laughs> I was there. We we lost some cash. I don't know how you ended up on the weekend. I uh, I made a comeback on Saturday, but, you know, America, I'm not saying not to go to Vegas because we had a fun time, but the odds were a little bit against us, weren't they, Action? Those tables, the, the stakes are mm-hmm. up a little bit, the limits are up, and then also the 6-5 to five blackjack everywhere on the strip. We had to kind of go to downtown, you know, Vegas at Circa to really find the three to two blackjack tables and, and you know, some $15 craps tables during the day, 25 at night, whereas the Mirage, you could barely find a table. And then obviously they were higher limits. So, it was, you know, we, we took it in the face a couple of days there. Yeah, definitely uh, disappointing to see what the gambling options were like on the Strip. It seems like a lot of the casinos had less staff than normal. They weren't really planning for that crowd, which is understandable, presuming that they have really light crowds every other day of the year. So far. Right, right. And they did pick up at night. I guess they opened up some more pits. You played that one night. But mm-hmm. for the most part, we did. I mean, we gambled the first couple of days on the Strip. We were we were almost exclusively Circa from, you know, what was it, Thursday night on. We were living over there, and we, we love it there. I mean, I'm not just – I'm not we're not paid promoters of Circa. Mm-hmm. That's the right resort, everybody. I wish we were. I will tell you that that, that resort casino is impressive, uh, yeah. really great for the sports viewer, the sports gambler. But even if you're not, I mean, it's just kind of a club environment. They had the go-go dancers between the pits on Thursday night and obviously a beautiful wall of TVs in the sports book. Stadium Swim, I mean, that place is the top-notch place. Had a great time. We had some lovely servers and um, that was an amazing experience with a DJ. Um, plus, they had a viewing room on the third floor for mm-hmm. us, which we kind of hit on the Saturday where we could just chill out. It didn't have to be gambling. So definitely, you know, Derek Stevens and his team have put together an incredible experience at Circa. Yeah, I think the viewing party on the third floor ballroom, the unfinished ballroom, was yep. probably the pleasant surprise for me because knowing how crowded it was downstairs, it was nice to be able to go up there and find a little escape, be able to sit down at a nice empty table and watch games on the big screen there. That's right. So those of you that didn't, didn't follow the story and my, my drunk, uh, <laughs> you know, sunscreen filled eyes, um, you know, at Circa, <laughs> we, uh, we got some, we got free t-shirts and, uh, no, we just had, we had a good time. We finally had some better days on Saturday and, um, Prime was there. Prime was making it happen. He was mixing it up. And, um, you know, we're definitely going to go back. We'll talk about that at the end of the episode. Yeah, without a doubt. So, well, let's roll into, you know, NCAA hoops. That's all we're talking about at this point. We're going to preview both Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight and review last week's action. First two weeks, uh, first two uh, rounds anyway. So 
general impressions I just want to lay out there. You know, we talked about the Big Ten all season, strong conference. Man, they did not show up, even in a venue in venues that they had played in before. Um, one team is left in the Sweet 16 out of the nine that entered the tournament. So I'm not sure if you have any thoughts that way, but really disappointed. And, of course, it hurt our bracket and our bets. Yeah, it hurt my bankroll quite a bit. Yes. Very heavily into the Big Ten, as I've talked about for the last several weeks. And mm-hmm. uh, it just appeared that the Big Ten switched bodies with the Pac-12. Right. That's my only explanation for this. Surely there's others, but I really find it hard to believe that the Big Ten was just overrated all season. Right. I don't know that there's any other explanation than that, but it just seems like they went out and laid an egg. I don't know if there was perhaps some downside to being in Indianapolis for so long, whereas initially I thought that would be an advantage. Right. That that could be. It could be. I mean, you, we talked about it last week. We thought it would be an advantage, but maybe the kids who have just been there for two solid weeks, you know, they're going to get a little itchy. Maybe we'll look at that this week. Maybe teams are not going to come out with the same fire. I mean, look at... Oregon, for example, that only played one game because, you know, that's on the VCU actually, you know, they had a COVID issue and they couldn't play and it was a forfeit. They came out gangbusters in their game. um, And so they won out and they beat Iowa, Iowa, right? Yeah. So they upset the number two seed. They played incredibly. um, And then, but I mean, there were teams like UCLA. I mean, they won three games on the weekend. You know, they they rolled the, you know, ran the dice. They they beat, uh, obviously, Michigan State was an overtime game. That was a great game. But they played really well. You know, you already mentioned the Pac-12. They won. They had five teams in the dance. They got four teams in the Sweet 16. So they they came to play. Um, what about the Zags? They look pretty good. Yeah, impressive through two games, without a doubt. Um, playing against Mount St. Mary's was, or yeah. was it Norfolk? I think that they bounced Norfolk in the first State. round easily. Mm-hmm. But I think that was a great performance against Oklahoma. Not really mm-hmm. a great matchup for the Zags, though. I think. Um, the next couple of games, maybe not the Creighton game, but the Elite Eight, I expect they'll see a little bit more of a test. And that'll be their true test to see if they can hang with the Power Five Elite. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. We mentioned the Big Ten. Illinois was bounced, which has a big upset, and that kind of rolls into the next comment. The the two, there were actually really three true Cinderella's in my eyes. I know the UCLA is a low seed, but you've got Oregon State, which is obviously a, a Power Five team. But then you still have Loyola, which we've talked about all season. They're a top five in Ken Palm. But Oral Roberts has to be the story of the tournament. You know, they obviously took out uh, Ohio State in a really great game. That was a fun game to watch. But they came through in the next game, too. Um, you know, th- there's some serious Sweet 16 action here. These teams, obviously, Loyola took out Illinois, which was a huge upset, especially because that's all Chicago-based kids for the most part on those teams. Mm-hmm. So, um I don't know. Just uh, are you excited about either of those teams, Loyola or Oral Roberts? I, I'm not so sure that Oral Roberts has a chance, but you never know. And uh, on the other side, I definitely like Loyola's chances to continue mm-hmm. dancing in this tournament. They play some incredible defense, and that will carry them far in any tournament. Um, you left out Syracuse, though. Well, perennial true. Cinderella. <laughs> Well, you know, they, they're, Syracuse is doing what they do every time. If they get in the dance, they advance. There's, there's, there's a little, there's a T-shirt for you. You get in the dance, you advance. They do that. They did this a couple of years ago when they weren't even that. I think they were the playing game and they got to the Sweet 16. I mean, it's that zone. It's that zone. People can't do it. We'll talk about that against Houston. Can Houston overcome this zone? And Buddy Bayheim is balling, man. The kid is making some jumpers. You know, the guy can shoot the ball. So definitely. 
Just to review, we've got obviously some of the high seeds are left, but you've got very low seeds, a 15 in Oral Roberts. You have the 12 seed, I guess that's in uh, Oregon State, who's been, we'll talk about them in a minute, two 11s in UCLA and uh, Syracuse, and then you still have an eight, a seven, and a six. So pretty high seeds left in the, at this stage, and we'll see if they you know, get knocked out this time around. Let's recap our picks last week. We were kind of, you know, I guess we were break even if you look at it in terms of a book. We were 12 and 10, and this is hard to count all these. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Besides going over every single game, are there some games that we want to highlight that were definite, not just losers, but just kind of confounding? I guess your Purdue picks were kind of confounding because you th- you figured those were under against North Texas. Yeah, yeah. North Texas shot pretty well, and despite Purdue not shooting well. I think the overtime really helped push that game over the total, and that mm-hmm. ended up being a loser and a tough loss for my Boilermakers. And um, another one I wanted to touch on was the Winthrop game. I, I think that they really should probably cover that. They were in that game the whole time, no right. all the way late. So that was another tough loss. I'll tell you, I wish that I followed this sheet. I should have reviewed this sheet again come Friday because I did not take Oregon State as the money uh, line, and they were plus 300 or something. And they won easily in the first round, covering that plus eight. Uh, we, we talked about Loyola. We knew that they were going to cover over Georgia Tech because of the loss of that uh, leading scorer for, for Georgia Tech. But um, Abilene Christian, come on, I'm surprised you didn't put a flag in this team. This team obviously won outright. They beat Texas. That was a brutal game. That was a rock fight. Was it 52-51 or 52-53 or 53-52? Yeah. Uh, but you got the money line winner in that one. That helped the bankroll. Yeah, definitely. I forgot to actually bet it, though. Oh. <laughs> I did have the plus nine, but I didn't get down yeah. on the money line in that game, unfortunately. So still a great win for Abilene Christian, and their Cinderella story was ended pretty quickly by UCLA on Monday night. And the one, the one that still confounds me is Connecticut just being mm-hmm. boat raced by Maryland. I did not see that coming at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Maryland and then Georgetown got destroyed by Colorado, giving up 96. Both those, both those Big East teams. I don't know what the deal was. They weren't ready to play, or it's hard to say what happened. But um, that really hurt. I was going to say about that Abilene Christian one. Uh, first of all, ha- you know, hats off to you calling that a long time ago that they were a good team. They get their first win in NCAA tournament history. Uh, but more importantly, Shaka Smart has not won a game in the NCAA tournament at Texas yet. I mean, that is incredible considering I think his first year in VCU, he won three or four games. Yeah, yeah. Some, same as Archie Miller. He hasn't won a game mm-hmm. in Indiana, and now he's got the boot. Of course, you've got to make the tournament first to win one. <laughs> That's right. The last one I wanted to uh, discuss was Eastern Washington, mainly for the hair. Uh, uh-huh. Those guys, what was it? The, what are they? The, the the Grover boys or something? That sounds right. Grove, Grove. Grove, yeah. I mean, those two brothers, man, they were first of all they were straight up balling in the first half. They did not get you to the to the first to twenty bet, but they did mm-hmm. hit the first half plus six, and then they the book went wild when they hit the late jumper to cover the number um, at the end, even though Kiyu did win the game. Uh, but those guys can ball, and it was funny because I you know, was looking at the headband with their mom with the headband in the, in the stands. So just kind of one of those fun games, but a good hit on that one, actually. Yeah, I think it was funny that you called those guys the, the best COVID hair in the tournament. <laughs> Absolutely, best COVID hair by far. So 
All right, well, let's go into the action index before we hit this week's action. And uh, let's see. I mean, there's not as many teams left. We can just identify the teams that are left. Even though Illinois is at three, they're out. Michigan's still in there. USC and Alabama. Iowa's out. So what do you – and Colorado, actually, most of these teams – well, most of them are in. I guess most of the Big Ten teams are out. Yeah, that's true. There's several teams still in the tournament here in the top ten. USC jumps out at me at number six, slowly Mm -hmm. moving the rankings and – the rebounding numbers really do jump out at me for them as well. An extra 1.6 points per game on the glass. And Alabama in the top cent, top seven. And mm-hmm. Loyola remains in the top ten, steady at nine. So I really like them as a dark horse, Wags, and I think they can make a run to the Final Four and even beyond. Well, we didn't talk about that game specifically because it was a second-round game, but... I mean, it was a clinic. Uh, they put on a coaching clinic and a playing clinic against a team that you know, I had winning the championship. You know, I'll admit that openly. That's going to kill my chances of winning my own pool. Uh, but, uh, I mean, Moser had his team prepared. They were running old-school offense, a lot of backdoor cutting. The defense against Ayo DeSumo was, was perfection. They just – he could do – he just – he was bottled up and didn't know what to do with it. Um and in the end, I mean, they went to Kofi Coburn way too late in that game. He was scoring late, but they couldn't get even within five points in that game. They were constantly down eight to 12 points in the game, and they lost. So, I mean, good for Loyola. They beat the toughest competition in the in the region. And so I hear you. They definitely could, could be you know, in the Final Four. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Plus 165 at DraftKings, if anyone's Ooh. shooting out there. There you go. Well, this is how we're going to do the Sweet 16 previews. Uh, we'll do Sweet 16 previews by region, and then I'm just kind of highlighting a couple of Elite Eight matchups that maybe it's a potential. We don't know, but it kind of that we may be interested in since we're going to have two rounds since we tape again. So let's start off in the Midwest. We just mentioned Loyola. It sounds like, you know, Loyola's six-point favorite right now. The total is 125.5. Uh, this is the Saturday game. It's the first game. You know, it's 140 Central on Saturday. It sounds like you like the Ramblers here at the minus six. I understand that. Uh, but o- o- Oregon State's playing great basketball, and they've mm-hmm. got a beast in the middle in Silva. The guy's a 7-1 tree in there. Do you think he's going to give Krautwick a hard time? No. <laughs> um, I think that Loyola's offense is really set up to play well against this Oregon State zone. Mm-hmm. Um, they play a little bit of a matchup zone, and Crotway right. is going to be the key to breaking them down. He's, I expect him just to sit in that high post and, and make hay all day, either beating Silva down to the paint and getting his, you know, his crafty layups, or he's going to become a passer. And I think that Crotway is going to dominate this game. And on the flip side, I, I'm just going to be fading the Oregon State hot shooting. You know, yeah. They have been shooting like plus 40% from the three-point line through two games. And I'm not really sure that's going to continue against the now number one ranked Loyola defense. Really good defense. One of the things that the Beavers do really well is they shoot free throws. They made 27 to 30 uh, mm-hmm. in their last game. And that was really the difference in beating Oklahoma State was the team that we both liked. The thing about Loyola is they don't foul. Mm-hmm. They're just a position defensive team. It's not that they don't foul at all. But, I mean, like as a team that's that good defensively, oftentimes you see fouling there. They really keep the players in front of them, and uh, so it, it's not like they're going to have that advantage getting to the line. So right. I'm not going to follow you on this one, but I think you're on the right side. Thank you. I, I also I also want to uh, 
give a pick out on the under here. I bet this at 126 under. I think the two these two teams are both in the 300s in pace. And uh, with that Loyola defense, I believe that this one will be under the low total of 126. That's right. That's right. All right, next game in the region is Houston against Syracuse. We kind of mentioned this already. The total is 140, which crazy. Uh, Saturday, this is Saturday at 8:55 Central, so it's the last game on Saturday. I don't know how you don't pound the under here. 140. Houston's a really good defensive team. Syracuse has the zone. I don't know if I'm missing something here. Uh, I don't know. This is a game. It's a stay away game for me. I think that Syracuse is probably a play because they're playing really well. Houston has been playing good all year. How does Houston shoot the basketball from three? Are they a good shooting team? Um, Houston, let's see, from the three-point line, is 9-7th ranked three-point offense. Certainly not going to blow you away against that zone. But right. I'm with you. I think that Houston is the play here. Um, catching the points, I'm just not so sure that this You mean Houston, Syracuse? Yes, Syrac- I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Syracuse. You, you said Syracuse, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is going to be a close game, and I also like it going under a little bit. Not only is Houston going to struggle, I think, from the three-point line, but they play a really slow pace as well. And I think with their defense, also 11th ranked near the top 10, and Syracuse's stifling zone, I like the under a lot. Right. So for me, that's an under maybe. I mean, if I bet, I'll go Syracuse, but definitely the under in that game. The one one thing that gives me pause, though, honestly, Mm -hmm. is the – Offensive rebounding for Houston against that sure. Syracuse zone. That is a serious mismatch. Right. Houston is number two on the offensive glass, and we all know playing zone it makes it very difficult to rebound defensively. Yeah, and you, I know for your index, they're, what, almost two and a half points advantage on the on the glass for that. So that may be the advantage. Maybe that's how they get it. Um, I still don't think they're going to run away with it, but, yeah, I mean, that's how they're going to stay ahead. I mean, Houston really – I don't know how they won that game. They were it was it was Rutgers, right? Yeah, Dejan Giroux came back from the dead and saved their season. I mean, they yeah. were down by seven or eight late in that game, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's another thing we should mention. Giroux is going to suit up and play, but I saw that coach came out and said he'll be only seventy-five or eighty percent in okay. this game on Saturday. And he happens to be an action player pool player, so he just <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Who's on, on top of the board? All right, well, let's jump to the South region, the other the other region that plays Saturday. Uh, the number one seed is Baylor. Uh, Baylor's going to play Villanova. Baylor's a six-and-a-half-point favorite, 140-point total, 140.5 total. Uh, this game's at 415 uh, Central. I like Baylor here. Um, I think that Nova – oh, you got up to seven-and-a-half. Yeah, real-time uh, line real, move here. <laughs> real-time line move right here. Um, as I just was going to bet, six-and-a-half uh, – Wex, Wex likes uh, Baylor, and you know why? Because I think that Villanova, we, you know, we thought that Winthrop was going to take him out. I wasn't sure about the second round game, but now I think this is it. This is when you lose Gillespie. This, the defensive guards for Baylor, are outstanding, and Baylor played kind of crappy in the first game. They won, but didn't cover, and looked great in the second one. I like Baylor in this one. I don't know, seven and a half might be a lot, but I'll take it. Yeah, I concur with you. Even at 7.5, I like Baylor in this game. This is going to be the first real defensive opponent that Villanova has faced since losing Colin Gillespie. And I think going up against Davion Mitchell, those two backup point guards are going to have a hell of a time getting Villanova into their offense. And further, 
Baylor possesses the big guys that are going to be able to shut down Jeremiah Robinson Earl. So I'm not sure how Villanova is going to be able to keep up offensively in this game. Right. Good. We're on the same side there. Okay, this one, Arkansas is going to play Oral Roberts. Arkansas is an 11-point favorite in this one. This is a high total, 159, the highest on the weekend. This is uh, Saturday at 625 Central. I really like Arkansas in general, uh, but Oral Roberts has got a team that can score. I still would probably go under this total action. 159 is a big number. But what do you think about the 11-point advantage? I mean, they, these two teams played, and I think it was about that, 10 or 11 points earlier in the year. That's right. Do you like Oral Roberts to cover? I don't know. I've seen a couple people picking Oral Roberts in this spot, but I'm not really sure that I can get myself there. And this seems like a classic letdown spot after getting to the Sweet 16. Oral Roberts has made their goal effectively. And I could see them getting blown out in this game, to be honest, which also makes me like your pick of the under quite a bit. I think that mm-hmm. those two are correlated. If Arkansas gets out to a big lead, you could see this slow down a little bit in the second half. And um, on the flip side, if you think that Oral Roberts has a chance to keep this close, there could be some fouls late that push it over the total. Right. I, I forgot to mention Oral Roberts is only the second 15 seed to reach the Sweet 16 since, you know, obviously the first one was Florida Gulf Coast. So it's mm-hmm. it's very rare. I think they were underseeded overall. So this team's really good. they got the two 20-point scorers that can make it happen. So, well, let's uh, go to the West region now. This obviously has the Zags. We've talked about them already. Uh, the Zags are 13.5-point favorites against Creighton. This is 158.5 total uh, Sunday at you know, 110 Central. So I guess that's the first game on the on the Sunday docket. Hard to see Creighton keeping up with the Zags, especially the way the Zags played last weekend and throughout the year. But uh, do you think 13.5 is too much? No, I would probably look to lay it with Gonzaga in this game. Creighton is a team that I was looking to fade and did fade for the first two weeks. Got to the window with UCSB in the first round. They really should have lost that game, looking back on it. Um, Sal missed a gimme at the bucket that would have won the game for the UCSB Gauchos. But um, in this one, I think that um, Jalen Suggs and the Gonzaga guards are going to be able to lock down on Zagorowski a little bit better than their previous opponent. And I'm not sure that the Creighton Blue Jays have anything inside that can stop Drew Timmy. I mean, he was a man on that game, 30 points last week against Oklahoma. And I think that Gonzaga will probably run this one up again. Well, it surprised me that Oklahoma came out and tried to run with the Zags. It kind of was, I mean, obviously my guy in the pool was, was scoring, but um, Reeves, but I was shocked. I mean, they came out guns a blazing, making a bunch of shots and they were up early and we're like, Oh, okay. But I'm like, that's the wrong approach with this team. It's almost like you need to limit possessions Creighton is not a, a limiter of possessions. They're a score at will kind of game, kind of team, and I don't think that works against the Zags. I think it's gonna, the Zags are gonna fall against a team that's gonna change up the pace and gonna be able to grind grind them out. Yep. I don't see Creighton doing it, so I probably wouldn't lay the 13 just because it's a big number. But I, I think you're on the right side there. Yeah. And what's your thoughts on the total? I saw you had a note in there. <sighs> you know, I didn't really have big on the total. The both teams can score, but. You know, your your theory then is if the Zags are winning by 15 points, you think that that's going to push the total up? Or, you know, I mean, they're both both teams can score. There's no question. But 160 or 158 and a half is that's a lot of points. Yeah, it is. I mean, I can see this game starting out really hot. 
And I might look to target a live total here. It gets up like in the 170s, 180s. If you look to go under that number in the live game. Especially if they maybe in the first half, it's kind of a back and forth affair like the Oklahoma thing. Because that did slow down mm-hmm. in the second half of that game. Yeah, definitely. Well, the next game is USC against Oregon. This is a Pac-12 battle. Uh, USC is a two and a half point favor. The total is 139. This is this is the last game on the week on the Sunday on the actual weekend, Sunday at 8:45 Central. Um, you know, I like both these teams to be honest with you. I'm kind of pissed at the committee in a way. I know that what they did was they put teams by region, even though they weren't playing in regions, mm-hmm. and you have a, a six, you know, in USC and a seven in, in Oregon. If you had to put Oregon in another region, they would have advanced to Sweet 16 anyway. They, they're healthy now. But I love this USC team, man. And I, I we've been talking about them for a while. You've got them in your top six now, I think. The Mobley brothers can ball, but they have a bunch of versatile defenders. Oregon is a really good team, but they're more of an offensive team. And I think they're going to run into – USC can have trouble scoring at times, but – I think that this team, the way that they can defend, is going to really stymie Oregon. I didn't look up the history. I'm sure they've played a couple times this year, but what are your thoughts? Yeah, I have a lean to USC in this game. Also, my numbers make it for .75 in favor of the Trojans. But I think I told you the other day, this Oregon team really perplexes me, and I don't really have a good handle on them. I think it's because of the hiatus that they had earlier in the season. Right likely just going to be passing this game and sitting down to watch it. But I do like the Trojans to come out victorious. Yeah, let's see. Let's just double check if they've played. So they lost to USC back in February 72-58. That was at USC. Uh-huh. And then I think they only played the one time. So, you know, not a lot to glean there. But, look, it's going to be a great game. They did right in putting this as the last game on the weekend. I think it's going to be exciting. But... I'm just disappointed that they have to face now. It'd be nice to have them in different parts of the bracket. I do. I do. Before we move on, I do have yep. a pick though on the under. I think this is going to be yep. another grinder. Mm-hmm. Both of these teams know each other well. Obviously, playing in the same conference, and again, two slow-paced teams. Great defense in USC, fifth ranked. I like it to stay under. I think it's one thirty-six. Nine. Do it one thirty-six. One thirty-nine. Yeah, I mean, USC shot the lights out in the last game against Kansas. They just blew them off the floor. Um, I don't think that's going to happen in this one. I don't think they're going to shoot like that because, um, mm-hmm. you know, Isaiah Mobley, who's so just to go over, uh, Evan Mobley is the freshman who's probably going to go in the top five in the NBA draft. Isaiah, his older brother, he was just raining them in the first half. And and I think they, as a team, you know, shots you know, 55% from three. I don't expect that again. So I think you're right for the under on that one. The last one in the, uh, is the East region. We've got Michigan, who's still alive, ironically. That's the team that we thought was not going to do well without Isaiah Livers. They are a three-point favorite against Florida State. The total is 144. This is at Sunday at 4 o'clock Central. I like the Knowles for the upset. Maybe this is based on Leonard Hamilton's track record in past tournaments and because of the Michigan angle, but... Michigan has played well in two games, so I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, this is going to be a really interesting matchup to see how this Florida State defense plays Michigan's offense. Mm-hmm. Florida State likes to switch everything on defense in all five positions. The big guy, Kovacica, will go out and 
and switch and guard the little guys too. And I think that Juwan Howard may have a leg up on Leonard Hamilton in the coaching department, to be honest. Sure. And I think sure. they're going to find ways to get Hunter Dickinson the ball inside with some mismatches. I expect that Dickinson is going to have a big game. And, you know, I have a lean to Michigan here. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to lay it with them yet, to be honest. Um, I think that, you know, one big weakness for the Seminoles has always been their turnovers. And sure. unfortunately, Michigan just doesn't turn their opponents over. So that advantage that most teams have against Florida State is mitigated in this one. But I still have a lead to the Michigan Wolverines and Juwan Howard. What about the total? 144 seems high for these teams, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, I would agree with that, too. I mean, Michigan's pretty slow pace. When they are motivated on defense, they play good defense. Ninth ranked mm-hmm. Ken Palm still. Um, I do think that it is a pretty high total for this game. Obviously, the stakes are raised now. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, I, I haven't pulled the trigger on that one. Yeah, I got you. Okay, the last game uh, in the East region is Alabama against UCLA. Um, you know, we... I don't know, maybe thought UCLA or Alabama was going to get knocked off potentially by UConn. That didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alabama is a six-point favorite against UCLA, 145-point total. This is Sunday at 6.15 Central. Look, this is a classic offenses versus defense battle. UCLA has been lighting it up. Your guy, what's his name, Juzang? Johnny Juzang. Guy is just, he's just silk out there. But the whole offense is just really clicking. When we watched that first game in the first four on Thursday at Circa, I mean, it was a great matchup against Michigan State, but the fluidity of the UCLA offense was just impressive. However, and, and now they, they were pretty fluid. You know, they, they beat Adeline Christian, didn't they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's a good okay. defensive team. But, but obviously Alabama's probably got a little bit better athletes. What do you think in this one? I, I kind of feel like Alabama's going to win. Uh, yeah. But UCLA is just playing at a really high level. Yeah, it looks like a little bit of a move up to six and a half on the spread in this one for the most part. I don't see any sixes left on my board. And right. um, it looks like money is coming in on Alabama. To be honest with you, I think that spread might be a touch high yeah. in this game. Um, Alabama does play really good defense, third ranked, and I expect that's probably going to be one of the best defenses that UCLA has seen all season. So mm-hmm. the key will just be sh- slowing down the two J brothers, Ju Zhang and Haquez. Those two guys have been filling it up throughout the first three games of this tournament. So right. I'm not sure I have a pick on the side, to be honest. And the total seems appropriate. I think mm-hmm. that it could go under because Alabama could squeeze UCLA, uh, but UCLA has, has found a way. I mean, they scored, you know, and all these, a lot of these teams struggled to score in these different arenas, but it doesn't matter where they play. They played in a couple different arenas, and they were lighting it up. Yeah. I thought the same thing in the Alabama-Maryland game last week. They put up like <laughs> 170 points. So I think I'm done with totals in Alabama games. I got you. So looking ahead uh, for the Elite Eight, I'm just looking at potential matchups. And this couldn't – maybe we could talk about both sides of that matchup. I mean, we pretty much know the Zags will probably advance. I know this is mm-hmm. – uh, that would be a big upset. You know, obviously, if Creighton was taking them out. But, um, I mean, USC against the Zags would be the tougher matchup, right? They've mm-hmm. got that you know, versatile defense. They've got some guys who can score. The Zags obviously have, you know, great, plenty of guys who can score. We, we've talked about during the season is they're going to struggle against a team that's got a little bit of grit. They can slow that offensive da- offense down. If you see this matchup, w- would you 
go the side of the Trojans, probably getting points. Yeah, I would love to bet on USC in this game. I hope it comes to fruition. I think that pisses the team with the NBA stars, future NBA stars. Sure. Um, that can match up with the Zags. And I would hope that Coach Enfield is smart enough to actually look to slow the pace, which I would expect yeah. they would do, which is their normal style of play. Mm-hmm. Um, my numbers make it 10 and a half. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't expect that we would see a number quite that high, but I still think there would be plenty of value taking USC and your Trojans. Nice, nice, nice. Uh, and then the other game that I think it's going to set up for in the Elite Eight that, that's interesting is Arkansas against Baylor. And we think this will happen. Who knows? But we think that Baylor's going to advance over uh, Villanova and then Arkansas over or Roberts. So this is a as close to the top seeds that we're going to get in this tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Arkansas has been, you know, one of my darlings late in the season, but Baylor was your darling early in the season. So what do you think about that matchup? I think it will be a great matchup. I have been on Arkansas quite a bit. I know mm-hmm. I flipped a little bit. I was down on Baylor coming into this <laughs> tournament. But they've been impressive in the first two games on defense. You know, we talked about after their COVID break, how their defense took a little bit of a step back. But it seems like through the first two rounds, they have a renewed focus on that end of the ball. And mm-hmm. uh, I think that could prove to be a little bit difficult for the Razorbacks. Justin Smith has been awesome in this tournament, but he's still a little bit undersized at his position. And I think some of the big guys for Baylor on the interior may be able to uh, slow him down a little bit. And Moody, Moody, the freshman scorer, I think uh, will meet his foe in Davion Mitchell. So right. I, I would like, as much as I would love to see Arkansas win that game, I think that Baylor is going to be the side in that one. Yeah, I think so too. So now I'm leading you down a path here. Uh, action because as I'm going to discuss the very interesting pool I'm in, it's like a survivor pool for the tournament. And mm-hmm. I'm just going to briefly describe the format so people know how it works. But essentially the first couple games, you have to pick two games in the first round. Uh, and if actually the first day, if you do get it right, then you only have to pick two the next day, you know, keep moving. And then in the next round, it's only one if you if you did it perfectly. If you lose in the first day, like I did, thank you, North Carolina, then you have to pick four games in the next day, and then you can go back to the one game. And I was doing okay. I, I, I lost North Carolina. Then I, and, and it's a true survivor pool, so you can't pick a team twice. Uh, when I got to that second round, and I got the four right on the second day of the first round. Then I got... You know, we got a pick right, thank you. But then I missed on, a, on Oklahoma State, mm. and so that one made me have to pick five teams in the last day of the weekend, and which was all great. I actually got all five, so I feel good action. But I'm set up in a situation that we were discussing a little bit yesterday, where I'm kind of in a pickle. I mean, I probably, regardless, can't change my situation because I only have zags, the zags basically on the one half of the bracket, mm. but. So in doing it this way, do you think I should go with the Arkansas over Oral Roberts and then Baylor over Arkansas? Or should I go for a lesser pick, like we talked about a little bit yesterday, a Loyola or something, keeping those other teams in play, like a Loyola or Houston? I don't feel great about Houston. But you know what I mean? Like So keeping both Arkansas and Baylor alive, in this first day, and then I have those options later on. 
Yeah, I mean, so you have to pick one game each day. going. One game each day now at this stage, yeah. But I can't use a team twice. And uh, the right half of the bracket all plays on the same day and the left half, right? Yeah. Yes, yes. So basically you're going to have the the Midwest and the South. Mm -hmm. I, I have plenty of teams in that region, in that side. The other side, I only have the Zags for Sunday. So I'm really having to pray on Tuesday that something happens. But... Um, but yeah, on Saturday I have to decide: am I going to take an Arkansas or something like that? And then I can also not take Baylor in the Elite Eight game. I can wait for the Final Four and hope, you know what I mean? Hope yeah. for the best. Take Houston over Loyola. But, um, but yeah, that's where I'm at. I think that Arkansas would probably be the pick for me, especially if you like Baylor in the next game, because it sounds like, based on your um, only having Gonzaga left on the left side of the bracket, you may not right. even be able to make it to the Final Four anyways. So Correct. there's no real point in trying to save Baylor for the Final Four if you're going to be out before sure. you get there. Right. Good point. Good point. All righty. Thank you, Action. I concur with most of my thoughts. Um, so that, any any other idea, thoughts on either Sweet 16 or Elite 8 before we... No, I don't think so. No Lucas Oil games this weekend. I was disappointed right. to see that. Looks like they're going to stick to Banker's Life and Hinkle for these two rounds. Mm-hmm. And then I'm guessing they'll be back at Lucas Oil for the Final Four in the championship. So we can get back on the under train next week. Yeah, the, the text of the weekend when we were in Vegas was your dad, uh, who was like, Lucas Oil, Lucas Oil. What did he say? It's killing it or something. Lucas Oil, unders are hot. Something like that. <laughs> Did he say hot or did he use the hot symbol? <laughs> a little player I don't know. Let's check. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to double check those texts. But um, well, anyway, well, we had a great we had a great weekend, obviously in Vegas, uh, and we you know Prime you know Prime as well, Artemis Prime with us. Uh, you can see our, our video again and where we took pictures with with everybody with the Instagram and everything. But uh, we're going to go back, right, Action? We yeah. are going to do this. It'll be our third annual trip. We can't believe we've done this. We're going to enter the circuit contest on the opening weekend of the NFL, which is September 10th through the 12th. Um, we are looking to do it and spend a lot of our time at Circa, especially the Circa pool, where we're going to figure out if we're going to do a cabana. We haven't, I haven't locked in since the stuff that you know we we're talking about before. Mm-hmm. So maybe we'll lock up a cabana early. So get a few people out there, have a little, you know, have some listeners out there and check out those NFL opening weekend games, right? Yeah, yeah. I think we should definitely hit the pool again for NFL Sunday. Be a great spot. I'm guessing that they'll have more than just the four games up on the screen, but um, hopefully we can get all eight or nine up there and be able to watch them all in real time. Cool. Right. I mean, the place from a viewing standpoint was just outstanding. Obviously, there was a lot of other distractions at the pool, but um, which I was beaten up with, you know, incredibly when i did my little my little uh video everybody was giving me a hard time of my focus on what i was focusing on the pool but everybody can see that um but anyway definitely you know mark your calendar september 10th through the 12th action i will be there prime artist prime's already booked his hotel he's way ahead of us um so anybody's interested you know let us know and we'd love to have a bigger group this time hopefully by then things are a lot more open all over the place and uh, maybe people will be vaccinated. And so it won't be quite as restrictive both there and then for people who can attend. So looking for a bigger group. Yeah. Hopefully some more table games will actually be open this time too. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, great. Well, that wraps up our, you know, sweet 16 elite eight uh, preview edition. Uh, I am Jim Weglars, AKA Weggs. Follow me at Weggspool 
on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm Steve Roberts, a.k.a. Action. You can follow me on Twitter at 31SRoberts. And follow us at Side Action Pod on Twitter and on YouTube. So thanks, everybody, uh, for listening. And hopefully you checked out the videos. And uh, check us out on YouTube and send out your questions. We got a couple of comments, actually. I don't know if you noticed. We had a couple of comments, like oh, two. Nice. So that was exciting. They liked our haircuts, apparently. <laughs> uh, we did get our haircuts before the trip. Um, but, uh, yeah, come on. Comment and like us and tell your friends. Yeah, good luck with all your Sweet 16 picks this week. That's a wrap for this episode of the Side Action Podcast. We appreciate all of your listens, and thank you for joining us. We'll see you all again next week on Thursday for some more hot picks and side action. podcast its owners and associates take no responsibility for the opinions or statements made by the show hosts or their guests statements or show topics are not necessarily the beliefs of this podcast and opinions between talk show hosts may conflict individuals following the advice given on the podcast accept their own risk of losses from wagers made as the side action podcast its owners hosts associates or guests will not guarantee any advice given the opinions and advice given on the side action podcast is for entertainment purposes only Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Intro and outro and transition music credits. Song titles, Jerry 5 and District 4 by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.org. License under Creative Commons Attribution 3.0. CreativeCommons.org backslash licenses backslash by 3.0.